Hello, world. Welcome to episode 25 of The Conscious Cut, where we keep it real about sustainability in life and style, bringing you our point of view as women of color every first Wednesday of the month. I am Jalisa, your host this year, holding it down for me while she is on a break. Thanks for joining me. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Seattle's own Alana Bell. For those of you who don't know, Alana is a spirit-led educator, facilitator, speaker, and mentor. The power of purpose, creativity, and beauty guides Alana's work in the world. Alana, would you mind sharing how you identify with The Conscious Crew? Of course. Uh, Well, first off, hello to you uh, and hello to everyone. I identify as Black, Black American, and I uh, utilize the pronouns she, her, and hers. Awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. So, (laughs) we have a lot to talk about today. Yes, yes, we do. And I'm I'm super excited. I think it's it's perfect timing for, I think, the kind of conversation that, you know, we're going to be able to talk about today and just get down to it. Yeah, it it flows. In in our last episode, we talked to Leilani, a she described herself as a shaman and she works with leaders in the corporate world to help them find their soul and and stick with it and implement that into their business strategy and the way that they lead their teams. So I'm just going to hop into my first question for you. What does it feel like on a soul level for you when you know it's time to evolve? Uh. I've been musing on this for a while, and the one word that keeps coming up is discomfort. Lack of, I would say, fit, lack of alignment. Those are words that resonate really deeply with me around growth. And as an educator, you know, having worked with students for years and years, we would always want our kids to slightly be in that growth zone, which is also what we call the discomfort zone or the challenge zone. Because when you're, you know, in the panic zone, nothing can happen in there because essentially you're so seized by anxiety and fear, nothing can occur. The opposite end, if you're in the comfort zone, not much is happening because of course you are comfortable. So we always wanted to push children and our students into that space of slight discomfort. And I think when we're talking about the soul, it's a little bit different because we're talking about your own comfort, not what we want to do for somebody else or what we're trying to do to educate. But when it's yourself, it's a very different experience and the discomfort can be in varying degrees. But I also almost liken it to, you know, you have a code or something that you might love. And after a while, it's just the fit's not right. And, you know, as a stylist, you know the importance of fit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when the fit ain't fitting no more, that, that means, <laughs> uh-oh, something's up here. What's going on? Yeah. I feel like I might have got a little bit ahead of myself. I feel like because we had the conversation that we did before before this episode, I, I just wanted to jump straight into it. But I think maybe we should back up a little bit and maybe explain to the the listeners about your personal evolution. There's a quote that you have in your email that I absolutely love and feel like this is a, a great way to kind of set the tone. Yeah. And it says, although attempting to bring about world peace through the internal transformation of individuals is difficult, it is the only way. Yeah. By the Dalai Lama. 
I love that. I mean, it's true. It's interesting because I listened to your last podcast with Bewani. It was fantastic. And I thought uh, a lot about this idea of really tending to the humans who are in organizations and institutions. So again, when we talk about systems or when we talk about even dismantling systems, we have to rem- be reminded people run institutions, create systems. And so it really has to start with the individual. And for me, it's always really been about one heart, one mind at a time. That is, that's the impact that I'm wanting to have. And that's, you know, a conscious choice that I make. And I'm not always perfect, right? But in every interaction to leave someone better than what they were before and to really make sure that people, when I'm around them, they know that they matter. They know that they are valuable. That's really critical. And so as as we're talking about soul growth and what that whole evolution is, it's something that's occurring kind of constantly. And it's just so important that we take the time to really tend to ourselves when we recognize that perhaps that's what is happening in our spirit. That was so good. But what about what about you? Oh, man, my story is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it really is. You know, I'm born and raised here in Seattle. You know, I think a lot about when I was a little girl and I actually just recently changed my like screen for my phone to a picture of my mom holding me when I was maybe about, gosh, I don't think I was one year old yet. And when I look at this picture, I'm just like, oh, I love her. I love this little girl. And when I look at kind of the trajectory of my life, you know, working in education, working with children, being an artist, making music, working in the beauty industry, living in New York. I mean, it's been kind of a lot of things. But when I see this picture, I'm really reminded of, I think, who I really am. And most people who meet me would never, never believe that I am really, truly an introvert who knows how to operate really well as an extrovert. (laughs) But when I see that picture, I think about, you know, just my little girl self. And, you know, I spent a lot of time I was sick a lot as a little kid, didn't really get to go outside, didn't ever learn how to swim because I was allergic to chlorine, but I always had a really rich, deep inner life and was always really creative. And you know, I can remember writing my first song when I was in first grade and it was because my first grade teacher had left the school and I uh, was writing this song, looking out the window crying. So yes, also very dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> But like, I just kind of did my thing and was very observant. And I was really blessed to be able to hear stories from, you know, people who love me and care for me before I was really socialized, before I had any significant trauma. And to hear those stories and now to be 38 years old and have my own family and, you know, being a mom, I hear that and I think, wow, that's really who I am. And I've always been that person. And so, you know, I do lots of things and I find that sometimes those things can be exciting, but I'm more interested in just like kind of on a soul level who I am. But in terms of kind of the work I do in the world, I run a program, a scholarship program, a relationship centered scholarship program for black children and families that are attending Catholic schools. And it is some of the most amazing work to be a part of and to to be a servant leader and to be in this community of families is just incredible. Our program is called Craft Scholars. We have 35 beautiful families at our schools and we are just having the best time. And I love 
waking up every single day and doing that work. And then in addition to that, I do a lot of work around just working with educators around what does it mean to be in relationship with a student and really teaching them the art and the science of relationship that we really can't leave the most important relationship, which is the relationship we have with one another, with our students up to chance. And in addition to that, I would say just doing anything that feels good creatively to me. You know, I muse around perfume and a lot of folks know me as a musician and I, you know, I think music always lives in my heart, but I think that part of my story with music might be done. I'll never say never, but I'm really focused currently on, you know, designing my home and, you know, cooking and kind of nesting and just, you know, trying my best to just, gosh, I'm just honestly just so pleased with all the abundance I have in my life right now. So that's a long winded way of just saying lots of things all the time. (laughs) That seems to be my MO. I've heard this story before, but I'm listening to you talk about it again, and I feel this this ease. And I don't know if it's now kind of like the hindsight's 2020 kind of thing, and it's easy to talk about, but thinking about all the different transitions that you've had in the moment, if you can remember how that feels, was it actually an easy transition for you, the evolution, or was it challenging? You know, oh, you know I what I mean? Like, did it? Did I it... wanted to visit know what you mean. And oh, please, <laughs> ain't nothing easy about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing is easy about kind of these transitions. And, you know, we're constantly going through them. And I do believe there are moments in which we can live and have comfort. That's important. But your spirit, your body will let you know, ooh, something's not right. So for me, I would say my latest kind of transition really was leaving education and, you know, having worked at the school that I went to and really being a member of that community. Really, that community was my family, whether it was my former teachers who were my mentors, my students, my colleagues, and choosing to really go out and make music. And so in 2018, I left education and I had been working on music, you know, prior to this releasing projects and, you know, spent a lot of time, energy and money on that and said, you know, I knew I didn't want to be ahead of school. So I said, there's nothing really above what I'm doing that I want to do. So I'm going to, you know, really bet on myself and, and make music and do that professionally. And so I left. I left in 2018. I continued to work on my project. It took many years to get my project, The New Romantic, out and ready. I did a film with my brother down in Los Angeles and mixing my album took a long time. So, you know, 2020 comes and we are prepared to release the album. We had released the film in September of 2020. And then February 2020, I performed at Sam. And then that was on February 13th, 2020, February 14th, 2020, I released the album. I started getting calls of talent bookers. It was awesome. And then obviously what happened, COVID hit. (laughs) And it was interesting because in that little window prior to that, I had an interaction in which I ran into a former parent of a student of mine. And this interaction, I would say, again, looking back, was clearly the moment in which I knew there had to be a shift on a cellular level in terms of what I was doing. And this parent and I had a a good relationship for many, many years. And I just really adored him and really admired him and was inspired by how hard he worked for his sons. And we just had a connection. And so when we saw each other, he just said some of the most kind things to me and kind of ended up taking care of me in a moment. And 
really pledged and, and this expressed his appreciation for the work that I had done in his life and in his kid's life. And I walked away, I mean, literally turned around from that interaction and was in tears. Mm-hmm. And I knew then I said, okay, that's a good sign, right? I wasn't sad, but I was so deeply moved and I, I hadn't felt that way even when I was performing, right? For me, performing music in particular, it never really spoke to me. Now, being alone, creating music, really being in communion with spirit, oh man, I could stay there all day. Collaborating with other artists always felt good, but I never felt really compelled or called to really get on a stage and perform. Now I can say I know why, which I think was like, I'm, I'm a little bit more comfortable with doing things and performing if it is in service to something other than myself. I didn't know that at the time. And so I had that pivotal moment and then transitioning into COVID, you know, my identity had really been wrapped up in whether it was being a musician and also then being an educator at this school. So then I had no identity, right? Who was I without being attached to the school or being an artist? And there was one evening I was talking to my partner And he was being the best partner that you would ever want. He was saying all the right things because I was saying, oh, I just feel so terrible and I'm nothing. I mean, I was just self-loathing to the max. And he's saying everything right, right? And literally it's going in one ear and out the other. And literally there was a moment in which it was like, as you and I are talking, I heard, well, Alana, you are supposed to go through this process because you're supposed to help other people on their healing journey. It felt, I mean, it's hard to describe and depending on what you believe, but for those who get it, get it, it was audible. You know, it was like, oh, I heard it. And it was almost as if there was a click. And I was like, oh, and I kind of snapped out of it. And then the ne- that night I found a school in which I began a little couple months later doing a program for spiritual guidance and spiritual mentoring. And that was a huge shift for me to then really see what really is my soul being called to do and what is my true purpose and who do I need to be to be able to actually do my soul's work at this time on this earth right now. Oh, so good. You just hit on the next couple of things that I wanted to ask you, but yes, I'm with you. I totally believe in that being allowing your work to be a living prayer into providing testimony through your own experiences. I think that that's what it's all about. That's what life is all about. If you don't mind, if this isn't too intrusive, can I dig a little deeper into that feeling, the moment that you walked away from the conversation with the parent that you had the relationship with, what did that feel like? Can you describe that feeling? Yes, I can describe, I'm going to try to describe it to, you know, obviously, confidentiality and sacredness is really important to me as well. But I would say that interaction was just so powerful and the parent, you know, gave me a hug and just, and said just some of the kindest things and really essentially said, you know, I'm always going to take care of you because you took care of me and you took care of my, my, my kids. And as I'm, I mean, literally I'm walking away and the, I mean, the tears just come. I sat in my car for probably an hour crying and it was honestly, you know, looking at it now, it was probably this recognition that there was something that was not aligned. And that moment was the gift. That moment was the, oh, hey, this is what you love. 
this is what your gift is. And I will tell you a, a really funny story. When I was in, I think I was, I was in elementary school and I went to a school and we learned French. I know no French at all. So I wasn't pretending <laughs> to, to say that I, I really was absorbing. <laughs> However, when I was a little kid, they had, there was a French contest and I think it was like a national contest. And the thing was like, draw your favorite animal and write like a thing about it. Now, here's the thing. I love being creative. I love beauty. I cannot draw for nothing. And I knew that then. So, you know, in elementary school, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to draw? Like, I can't draw an animal. This is going to totally suck. Then I was like, well, you know what? People are animals. And I love people. So I drew a globe in the center of the page. And then I drew stick figures of different colored people. And I ended up, like, winning this competition. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that was so weak. But... (laughs) Again, when you start going back and playing the tape and looking at the through line of your life, people, connectivity, humanity has always been at the center of my heart. So with that being said, it was like, oh, of course, because for me, and I say this personally, I think the way that for me, music became, it became so involved in, you know, having to be online and having to present yourself. I'm a very private person. And for me, I feel like when I put something on wax and I mean, the new romantic is essentially, man, it was a rite of passage to, to be able to write that. I went through a lot of pain to be able to put that album on wax emotionally, you know, via romantic relationships and whatnot. And so I feel like I'm putting everything on wax. Why do you want to know what I ate for breakfast or why do I have to constantly engage you when I literally bare my whole soul? Like, what are we talking about? So that doesn't feel comfortable to me. And so when we talk about, again, like that jacket kind of analogy or metaphor, that the jacket was, the fit wasn't fitting on me. (laughs) You know, it just wasn't. And for some people, that fit really fits. And I am so in awe of those, I would say, too. I love artists who will still create the art that their heart dictates them to create, even though they do not want to deal with the machine of the kind of business of music social media. I just, that is a hard job that I knew. I was not cut out for that. That was not for me. And it it became very clear, but it doesn't mean that music is not, you know, one of my first loves, but I would say it is beyond clear that my real first true love is human beings, period. Oh, I hope that that frees someone up because I think that that's And this is just me thinking about all the conversations that I've had with me, all the conversations I've had with myself, all the conversations I've had with friends and coworkers and just all of the people in my life during the pandemic, especially because this was a time that you said you you worked on and and launched the new romantic. But the feelings of kind of like when you said you were talking to your partner going through like, oh, well, who am I if I don't do this? Oh, I feel like a failure. I feel like a lot of us were going through those motions during the pandemic because either you got laid off or you feel like, okay, this work isn't in alignment anymore, which was my situation. And you're like, well, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do next? Or how, how do I do the, the next thing? So my next question, when you get into that space of, okay, I think I understand my assignment and you're ready to level up, you decide to level up, how does that acceptance impact your relationships with yourself, your family, your significant other or others and members of the community? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big shift, right? When you are being called to step into 
kind of the next version of your highest and best self. And I think the relationship with yourself, again, changes because it, it means that certain things that mattered maybe don't matter anymore. It means that the way that people might perceive you has to shift and you have to be okay with that. But most importantly, how you see yourself and then the work that it takes in regards to kind of my spiritual belief, it's, I really think that during that transition, you know, I was really blessed to get that word that came down on me very, very clearly to know what my next step was. However, I believe that we are engaged with whether you say God, spirit, creator, we are engaged in a co-creative experience of our life. So I think sometimes the issue that some of us have experienced or continue to experience is, you know, we might sit in prayer, we might write down our desires and say, okay, universe, okay, God, okay, spirit, okay, creator, where is this? But here's the thing, spirit has a job and so do you, period. So recognizing what is in my domain, what is in my control, and then the other piece, that is where our faith comes in, that is where trusting, and that is where also being okay with knowing that we live in a very mysterious world. And you have to be able to rock with that. And so I feel empowered to take action. I am pretty dedicated to growth. I would say that's probably something that really matters to me. So personally, just again, talking about my experience, it was number one thinking, you know, well, my first class was on meditation and I'm like, well, I have ADHD. There's no way I can learn how to meditate. There's no way I can do this. And that was a process. It was a process in living in my home and making sure my family knew like, hey, this is what I have to tend to. This is the time I have to put in. And again, my partner, he was so great. My daughter was so great because they'd be like, okay, wait, have you meditated? You know, they, they knew what time it was in terms of what was necessary for me to move through this piece of my journey. So I would say I was really blessed to have a ton of support, but that's where communication is really critical to be able to communicate the things that we need, the support that we need to our people in our, in our, you know, little ecosystem so that they are aware, you know, there's a shift happening and most likely they will feel it too. There will be good days and there will be bad days. I mean, I think this idea that when you get on this kind of spiritual path, it's all roses and flowers. I'm going to tell you straight up, if that's what you're looking for, <laughs> you need to go watch a movie or read them, you know, something else because child. <laughs> I mean, when I talk, when, you know, you talk about shadow work, right? And going to that very deep, dark place. I call it the swamp. Ooh. The swamp saved me though. Well, I actually, I got to the swamp in a meditation. I did a meditation in which you're laying down and I, I can't remember the whole process, but I ended up like visually seeing myself in this swamp and it was dark, dank, it was cold, it was scary, but it was green, like a very, very dark, dark, rich, beautiful green. And what that told me is that guess what? Life exists here. And growth happens here. And so as I went through the swamp, the swamp, I mean, I was in the swamp for, you know, well over a year, I would say, which was beautifully aligned with me being in school and studying things like meditation and spiritual crises. It was perfectly timed. Again, that's the mystery part. I did my role and then all of these things begin to align really beautiful alongside spirit. So that was a big one to be able to really understand that on certain days, I'm not going to be so great. And, you know, again, it's very, very hard to commit to this path 
It is not, I think, sometimes what I call the wellness and spiritual kind of industrial complex where everything looks perfect and everyone looks a very particular way. No two journeys of this type are ever going to be the same. And so making sure, you know, for me, it was important to just accept what was for me and what my experience was and not comparing it to anybody else's was really critical, I would say. You know, again, I've just been very blessed to have such a supportive family. And the best thing was when, you know, I didn't really tell many people I was doing that. And in fact, a lot of people still don't know that that's what I've done and I've graduated and all this stuff, right? But whenever I would tell trusted folk, they would be like, oh my gosh, that is it. Oh my, like every single person, my brother, who is my creative partner, who truly, truly, we believe in each other, like nobody's business, you know, as artists. And he was like, yo, that's it. <laughs> like <laughs> Money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, that's, that's beautiful. I totally agree with that. And it does really, I don't want to say make or break, but it, it adds it adds to the swampiness or it, it, the environment that you're in. If you have a support system around you to help you get through, because a year is a long time. And, and to be able to have people that rock with you and get it and are patient and understand and can, you know, keep your morale high, that's that's huge. Yeah. And I mean, I'm learning so much. Right. And so then also there's another piece that I went through this and I imagine a lot of folks go through this as well is that you get so into the work, right? And you're just like, everything is spirit. Everything is And it's like, we also have to temper that. to under- and, and now I have a little bit of a different perspective. For me, when I think about spirituality, I think spirituality is actually deep humanity. And I think that I know I went through a period of over-spiritualizing things. Everything had to be spiritual. Everything was this. And it was just because I was so excited to be feeling like I was feeling nourished and learn. I love learning. I'm super, super curious. So it was great to have that experience. But let me be clear. We got to, we live in the real world in which, you know, I'm made of blood and bones (laughs) and that's real life. And so, you know, I think about when sometimes you talk to someone and they, you know, back in the days, oh, you pray it away or, oh, you know, you hear that and you're like, but what do you mean? I'm broken. I'm hurting. I got bills to pay. Yes, I know that feeling. (laughs) Right? So it's like we have to figure out a way to actually understand that we are having both a human and and spiritual experience at the same time and that they inform one another. And and really, on some level, one is not more important than the other. They need each other. We have this being, this physical body that gets to house a spirit. And you know, for me currently, I would say that the piece of soul growth that I'm currently working on is the body piece because I'm really like to eat a lot of food. The working out has not been as much, right? But I have to really tend to my body and allow there to be an embodiment practice of my spirituality because the body, again, you know, there's a great book, The Body Keeps the Score. The body holds trauma and stress. And so in order for us to really have a holistic spiritual experience, we have to really deeply connect to our body and to the actual physical matter that we are. Agreed. Agreed. For people who don't necessarily have people in their corner in the same way that that understand what they're going through or maybe understand what they're going through and just don't have the capacity to help them in the way that they might need help. What what do you, what kind of advice do you have for them? You know, there was a quote that I I feel kind of saved my life 
and it was at a time when I was I was breaking up, and I mean it was whew, a really really rough time, and I mean I'm talking even to the extent of you know suicidal ideation, and I saw this quote, and I felt that way at this time, where I mean there was just no one who could have saved me, and even that's the thing, even all the love it, it could not have helped me through this. This was something I had to do solo dolo, and I was at a grocery store and they had a little journal in the journal and I hope I get this right, but it was just when the caterpillar thought the world was over, it became a butterfly. And I saw that I bought the journal and I have that journal here in my space. And when I read through it, I think, wow, poor baby. I mean, it, it was some really rough stuff that I was going through, but I held on to that idea and then I began to study about butterflies and the pro- the chrysalis process and caterpillars. And I really realized that so when a caterpillar is in chrysalis, essentially they melt and they become this like nutrient rich goop. And then in the process of metamorphosis, all of this beauty, but kind of hard stuff is happening to create this beautiful butterfly. And my daughter years ago, at the time all this was occurring, They were doing a butterfly unit at her daycare. And when you saw the actual, you know, butterflies come out of the cocoon, almost like there had been blood in the cocoon. And I remember seeing that and thinking, oh my gosh. So this thing, this butterfly that we see and we think is so beautiful on the whole story, but how hard was it to get there? And I think the best thing I can say to anyone is baby, wrap yourself up and it's okay to be in that cocoon. It's okay to hibernate. And it is okay to be so in touch with your pain. You know, I think about emotions and I think about how often we're socialized not to share our emotions or have to put on fake emotions, whether that be like every day be be grateful. And yes, we can all be grateful, but some days we really don't feel grateful and that's okay. And I think about a crayon box and if we were to liken our emotions to a crayon box and when we look at art or when we look at you know having the ability to color freely and to have access to as many colors as possible we, most of us would prefer that i think of that with our emotions we have these for a reason we are not not supposed to feel them and so i would hope that people if they need additional support whether that is mental health support if that's an option i've worked with all types of healers and folk who have really been trusted, but also people who maybe aren't your people, right? But someone who can sit with you, hold that space for you, and just allow you to be in a safe presence. That's really important. I really appreciate these visuals. <laughs> as, <laughs> as, you, as you're talking, I'm like, okay, I thought I understood the, the chrysalis process, but I really didn't now that you've described it. And that was intense, but also a very good metaphor. Yeah, it translates well. I mean, I think I'm it's, I'm always talking about the goop, the nutrient-rich goop. That's what I'm about. Like, I don't really do small talk. It's hard for me to do that. I'm like, let's get down. I mean, even today, right? We started and it was like, okay, so let's go. Like, we're talking about the real stuff. Let's do it. And so I always think about that goop and how well, it's nutrient-rich. So when we think about ourselves, right, and we think about, us melting. We are nutrient rich. We don't have a deficit of nutrients. And so it's just kind of being reconfigured. 
And that is really an amazing thing. And what a blessing, even when it's hard, man, what an amazing experience actually to be a human. And I'm not, you know, saying this from like that it's always great. Clearly it's not, but what an experience to have. Yeah, I, I like that. The The wheels are turning in my head because the caterpillar to butterfly process is really, it really embodies what we're talking about. The whole, the whole evolution, you know, you start as one thing. And then you have to evolve into another and it's a painful process, but it's a necessary process. And you come out if you allow yourself to just be in that process and like not resist it. Yes. Yes. You come out being really beautiful, in my opinion. No, you're spot on. That resistance piece, that part is part because there is another piece of this in which perhaps your ideas change, perhaps your behaviors change. And in most instances, the behaviors do have to change when you are being called into this next version of yourself. So for me, meditating and making sure, and, and I know like when I'm not meditating, ooh, okay, that's not good. I know when I don't take care of my body to the best that I should. And I tapped into that. And I would say the biggest piece for me that I just really muse upon and, and think about a lot is awareness. Awareness of self is to, it's probably one of the most critical elements that I think you maybe hopefully get out of these processes, which is have a deeper understanding of myself. So even for me, you know, meditation is an opportunity to be in communion with God, to listen. I, I tend to get a lot of downloads in those moments, but I'm also creating an opportunity to have a better awareness of how I think, what I think, the pattern of my thinking. Do I prioritize negative thoughts over positive thoughts? Those are the things that meditation, sitting and being has allowed for me. And so that awareness then is kind of translated in multiple facets of my life. And then that becomes awareness, a deeper awareness of others. But self-awareness, man, that's that's the real gift. And that's what I, I, t I tend to hope for and work towards is kind of being in a constant state of self-awareness mm -hmm. and not being afraid to lose people and that is i keep thinking about that butterfly analogy you know when you when you become the butterfly you can't necessarily hang out with caterpillars anymore right like you've got to fly and and move on 100 percent. and you know for me if i think about it did i I let go of a whole bunch of people? No. I mean, at the time, you know, it was also COVID when I was going through this experience. I honestly just think I became kind of a new person, but I believe in this, this new person was actually, as I mentioned earlier, that little girl in that photo, I got more deeply connected to her. That's who I have always been. And I think that in a lot of ways, society and trauma, generational trauma, um, oppression, all types of things, those things kind of glom onto us and become kind of clack on our bodies. And then we become these new versions of ourselves in order to deal with certain things, in order to walk outside every day, in order to get in, go to work and, you know, be whatever, be perceived in a certain way to be successful. There's a cost where there's a mask that we have to wear. And, and I'm really interested in removing those things. And I feel like that process just brought me closer to who I really am at my core. And so again, I didn't ever call myself an introvert, ever. 
Never. But when I start playing the tape back of my life, I can think about how much I've always prioritized being alone. Oh, this makes sense. And while I can go out and when I have to perform, especially in the context of teaching or educating, speaking and getting up in front of a, a lot of people and having to hold that space and make an impact, I can do that. But what do I prefer? To be alone. <laughs> I mean, or with a very small group of people. I had a birthday not too far off long ago. And it was one of those things where I was like, why did I do this to myself? So many people here. And I, I mean, I, I get anxious and I never was someone who thought I had any kind of like social anxiety. I was at an event yesterday that had a lot of people and I, you know, know a lot of people at this event. And I was just trying to like fall back as much as I could. Now, if someone had said, Alana, we want you to speak about something. My mind would be tuned to that and I would show up and I would perform. And not in a, a way that feels, you know, disingenuous, but like actual do what I need to do. And I can be okay with that. But I just definitely realized throughout this process that, man, I maybe am not who I thought I was. And maybe, again, going back to being deeply human, I am kind of dismantling some of the things, the ideas I had about myself or the perceptions other people had at me to really go back to kind of that core identity, which is really, I believe, who we are from birth. Yeah. So in in other words, y'all stop inviting Alana to big events because she just <laughs> <laughs> she's not here for it. I'm just playing. Oh, man, or tell Alana not to make an event for herself and like, like I went to uh, New Mexico for my birthday last year and oh and so I'm at my birthday party. And I, I have to say any of my people who listen, I love y'all. And I love that people from various parts of my life showed up for me. That felt really good. But when I was in New Mexico, I was like, this is it. And the whole time I'm sitting at this event for myself that I decided to have, I just really should have been in New Mexico by myself. And, you know, I'm in the process of beginning stages of planning a wedding, which is super exciting. I feel really blessed. That's another type of evolution. And, you know, I'm having real conversations about what do I really want in this moment? Because I don't, you know, intimacy is really important and depth is really important. And I don't want to perform on a day that is, is really supposed to be about me and my, my honey. So I'm working to, to hopefully have a day that will reflect that and that both of us will be really happy with and be able to share with, you know, our closest of close people. Hey, congratulations. Thank you. How can folks learn more about you and what you do? Because it's amazing. And I know, I know just from my own experience that We've got to have people like you, like when we're going through times like this, people who can can provide that testimony and hold the sacred space to help us through. So how can people be in touch and connect with you? I mean, I'm not really online a lot. I am, you know, in kind of the spirit of what we're talking about evolution. I'm still trying to determine how I want to use the, the gifts that I've been given to work with people one on one. And that's kind of what I've been thinking about for this next year is how do I want to serve and how do I really want to help people connect more deeply to spirit and therefore connect more deeply to their purpose? And so, I've, you know, in the past, I've done a lot of like one-on-one -on -one mentoring, but I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. And so for now, I would say stay tuned to my Instagram, which is Alana Bell Creative. Again, I kind of move, I'm dictated by spirit. I don't really move by the time in which I, really my time or other people's time. It's more about 
where is spirit kind of guiding me and how is my life unfolding to where I can get to a place to present the highest and best offering that honors both myself and the people and the communities that I want to serve. So I would say sometime this year, who knows something, I'm always doing things in education. So always posting things about my work in that capacity, but I'm very excited to imagine what it would look like to support people in a more consistent fashion. And so again, that's part of my next evolutionary process is just figuring it out. Yeah. What about the B-Craft scholars? If people are interested in getting involved with the program. Oh, my sweet babies, my family. We call that the B-Craft fam. I work for the Fulcrum Foundation. And if you go to fulcrumfoundation.org, you can find out all about B-Craft scholars and how to get involved. We, time, talent, treasure, all of those things really matter. We are fundraising constantly. So we provide our families with a $5,000 annual scholarship over the course of nine years. So from K to eight, so it's a $45,000 scholarship. And the money is really important because it provides a level of access, but the relationship piece, I would say is probably the more important part of our program and why it's so special and so unique. So yes, you can look online and I'm always kind of posting about that. It's really a beautiful thing to get to be a part of and to to serve in that position of, of leadership. So yes, Craft Scholars, Google us. We are all the places all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Alana and everyone for taking the time to kick back and be conscious with us. Make sure to follow The Conscious Cut on your favorite social media platform and share one thing you'd like to do to become more sustainable. Then stay tuned for the next episode to manifest more love for yourself. Mark your calendars for February 15th, 2023. Until then, bye world. 